0: Hello and welcome back to our study of the Dhammapada. And today we continue with verse 259, which reads as follows. Natavata dhamadharo yavata bahubhāsati ca apampi sutvāna dhammankāya napasati Sa'we dhamadharo hoti which means not to that extent is one called a carrier of the Dhamma, one who holds the Dhamma. Insofar as they merely uh, speak a lot, bahubhāsati. but even someone who has heard but a little and yet sees the Dhamma for themselves. Such a person is called a Dhammadhara, one who holds the Dhamma, carries the Dhamma. For they are not confused, or negligent, or heedless about the Dhamma. They are not pamada about the Dhamma. So this verse was taught in relation to an elder who was uh, given the name Ekudana. And that most likely wasn't his name, but it was what he was known as because it means one utterance, a single utterance. He was an arahant, one of the great beings of the time of the Buddha. And he lived alone in the forest, and every quarter moon, or every maybe no, every every uh full moon and new moon he would sit in a chair the, the special dhamma chair and he would write a, recite the same single utterance his utterance was Adhichetaso apamajjato. Adhichetaso apamajato. Muni monapatesu sikato. Soka na bhavanti tadino upasantasa sadasatimato. Which means one who is high minded or who has exalted states of mind. Adhichetasa. So. Appamajjato, one who is not confused or intoxicated or uh, heedless. Muni, one who is wise, monapatesu sikato, who studies or trains trains. in the path to wisdom. Soka na tadino to such a one no sorrows exist. They are peaceful and always mindful. That was it. Every uh, uposatha day, he would get up, recite the same verse, and he was alone. There was no other human being in the grove, but the whole forest would erupt with uh, the sound of the devas who lived in the forest, the angels, the angelic beings. Sadhu And this is how he lived his life The angels uh, listening to him teach the Dhamma Now one day, two very well-known uh, teacher monks came to visit, with each with a group of students so a large company of monks came to visit the forest maybe you know, to pay respect to the elder maybe just passing through but the elder was was very appreciative and he said oh venerable sirs please i invite you to come and you can teach the dhamma on the opposatha day and he said he says every time after the teaching the whole forest will erupt in uh, appreciative sad, who all the ain't, all the day was, as I said. Well, there's no one here who's good. no, no. The devas will appreciate. Believe me, they appreciate every time. So the two monks on the opposite day, they got up and they one of them would recite the dhamma, and the other one would explain it. So one is teaching what the Buddha taught, the other one is explaining this means this, this means that. And they gave a long and detailed and comprehensive teaching and when they were finished it was silent. At the end they have this uh, closure and this is thus the teaching of the Dhamma. It's a pregnant pause where you expect everyone to appreciate, say, sadhu. Usually after a Dhamma teaching that's what everyone does and it was silent and they looked at the ekudana and said you know what, what what's happening you said that there would always be this loud appreciation from the devas and the other said i don't know what's wrong every other time it's uh, they they've appreciated and they said well, well you get up and you you uh, recite you teach the dhamma and let's see so he gets up and he recites the single st- stanza again And the whole forest erupts with praise, sadhu. And all the students and the two monks are quite uh, upset, irritated, annoyed. Well, um, maybe it's impolite to put it like that. That's how it's translated. It's more like they were uh, disappointed. They didn't appreciate that. And they were accusatory. They said, look... This maybe this monk has has gained some kind of favor with the devas, and they're partial. So these devas they they only give, uh, they only give appreciation to the one that they like. The idea is uh, they make par- they make discrimination because oh it's not our elder teaching the dhamma we won't appreciate it. they were they misunderstood. And so they were critical of the old the elder monk, the arahant really. And they went to the Buddha and told him the story and the Buddha said, Look, this is the problem, is you think you're real dhammadhara, people who carry the teaching and you don't actually carry it. This monk, uh, even though he's only studied a little bit, he carries the dhamma. He is a dhammadhara. And then the Buddha taught this verse. So it's a quite instructive story. It it's, should be familiar. We've had other verses similar to this that talk about the difference between study and practice. But there's some interesting uh, phrases being used here that can uh, give us some instruction. So as usual, the question we ask is how can this story and verse benefit us? What's the lesson for us as Buddhist meditators? And the first lesson, I think, relates to the verse that the elder was teaching, not verse 259, but this ekudana that he would teach every week. It's a reminder of the importance of simplicity. Part of the criticism, or the cause for criticism from the other two monks is they took it to be simplistic, whereas their teaching would have been very detailed and have a greater, you might say, depth to it, and yet probably wasn't very deep at all. We can ask, why do the angels act in that way? If they're not partial, uh, what did they see in the elders' teaching that they didn't see in these two monks who were apparently quite well-versed in the entirety of the Buddhist teaching? And I think simplicity has a, has a large part to it. Uh, one one other thing to note would be the appreciation of the elder himself. These two monks were quite likely not Arahants, maybe not even Sotapanna. Maybe all they had was their book learning. And so the Buddha said, you know, you're not really Dhammadhara. You haven't really gained the Dhamma for yourselves. But the verse that the elder teaches is is simple, but it also reminds us of the simplicity of the teaching. It, the, the boldness of it or the greatness of it is the basic, basic teaching that that's all. What the elder taught is enough. Because this is the question we're asking why we're here, why you come to meditate. How can I become soka How can I become someone who doesn't have sorrow? How can I be free from suffering? Ordinary life is full of sorrow, full of disappointment, full of, of upset, full of loss. How can we be free from that? And the greatness of the teaching is that actually it's quite simple. It's not easy, to be sure. It's it's Perhaps you might say it's the hardest thing you could ever do. But it's hard not because of how complicated it is. It's hard because of how complicated we are, and that's shown in the example of these two monks overcomplicating things. Their teaching may have been uh, complete, but was it connected to the audience? Did it resonate with the audience? Was it actually appropriate? And did it actually help the audience to become more simple, to simplify their understanding of the world? And why? Why I keep using this word simple. And and how we can understand the problem with complexity is that it involves making more of things than they actual, actually are. Reality is quite simple. Reality is just seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking. And at each one of these six senses, there arises experience. And we call the five aggregates. And so you can go into quite a bit of detail. You can even study the Abhidhamma and go into great detail. But none of that is knowledge. All of that is just intellect. And so the, the simplicity of the practice is, as Ekudana says, basically you only need two things. And so he starts up by saying adhijetasa apamajjata." Adhijetasa is high-minded, but it refers to the tranquility. It refers to practices that lead to tranquility. So basically meditation. Even the meditation we do, though it's not uh, explicitly directed towards tranquility, you gain tranquility as your mind sorts itself out, as you become less rigid, less attached, less dependent. As you start to let go, you, you become more tranquil. That's adijetasa means you have a mind that is free from liking, disliking, drowsiness, distraction, doubt. Over time, that's what you gain from the practice of meditation. And the other side, apamajjata, Appamajjata, pamajja, or pamada. We talk about this quite often because it's so essential to the Buddhist teaching. Pamajja is what we recite for the fifth precept. Um, so taking alcohol leads to pamajja. Taking drugs leads to pamajja. It confuses your mind. It intoxicates the mind. It causes the mind to be warped and distorted and muddled. And the ordinary mind is like that as well. These monks who got up and taught, was their mind clear? Were they? Did they have a clarity of awareness of what they were actually saying? Were they present? Were they mindful? Whereas with Ekudana, the power of his teaching would have been in the presentation. The greatness would have been in the clarity. You can hear that in his voice when he would teach, Most, most assuredly. And this refers to the cultivation of vipassana. It's what differentiates mindfulness meditation from other types of meditation because of the focus on reality, the focus on experience, focus on seeing and hearing, and all these things that are impermanent, unsatisfying and uncontrollable, that it creates clarity. It washes away or or dispels the clouds, the, the confusion, the intoxication that exists in the mind. And so that's the other side of the coin. These two things, samatha and vipassana, are the two qualities that you develop in, in mindfulness practice. And he says, that's it. Uh, well, the, the next the next part is muni monapatesu sikato, a reminder of the importance of wisdom, muni. A person who does this is the person who is wise. It doesn't add... Anything new in terms of practice You don't have to practice something extra to be wise But it's a reminder that The focus is wisdom You're practicing to cultivate wisdom You're training yourself in wisdom You're not training yourself in calm Or peace or uh, avoidance Or escape You're training yourself to understand And that's what samatha and Vipassana do kāna bhavanti no so, Upasantasa. So Upasanta is means tranquil. So you're this person who is wise becomes tranquil. Sadasatimato and always mindful. Very simple teaching. And uh it can be hard for, for monks, scholar monks and so on to, to grasp that because there's there's so much more and they think you have to learn all these things. when in fact uh, there's not a terrible amount of theory that you need in order to become free from suffering. The second lesson that I think we get from this is the difference, well, it's the the main lesson of the verse that the Buddha taught, the difference between knowing something uh, conceptually or intellectually and knowing it for real. And this should be clear when you come to practice meditation. You don't come here to study. You don't come here to learn things intellectually. So you're already inclined in the right direction. But what's important and useful for us is the reassurance that this isn't an intellectual practice. And sitting and thinking about the Dhamma isn't going to help you. The Buddha talked about three types of Wisdom, or what we might call wisdom. The first is sutta mayapanya, so from hearing. The second is chinta mayapanya, from thinking. And the third is bhavana mayapanya. And this relates to the idea of dhammadhara. Sorry, bhavana means through cultivation, through actual development. This idea of being a dhammadhara, it sounds like it would be applicable to someone who has heard and memorized and thought about the Dhamma a lot because they're able to recite it back, but also able to explain it, able to tell you in detail what the meaning of a of a word or a term or a a, a, theory, a doctrine is. They're able to expand, they're able to connect. And so they use these two types of wisdom, sutta maya panya and cinta maya panya. They they heard a lot and they can relate it back And they think a lot So they can explain it and they can uh, organize it well And it sounds like, well that's someone who carries the Dhamma And it is, it is in a way We often appreciate these people Even if they haven't done much practice Because we can ask them questions They're kind of like a a, a, a merchant, the Buddha said Someone who, who uh, keeps cows for money there's the phrase the Buddha used like a shepherd. a shepherd doesn't own the cows; they don't get the milk from the cows. they don't have any of the benefits from the cows. all they get is money. all they get is is payment, but they don't actually uh, reap the rewards or the benefits of having cows so these people we we appreciate them and we we we, we uh, listen to them, but that's good for us. As meditators, it's not good for them. As teachers, because of course you'll often see that when people make the mistake that these two monks made, thinking that intellect and study is is beneficial for them, uh, they become proud, they become uh, partial, they they become um, sensitive, dependent, dependent on praise. So they become they became upset when they they were. Uh, looked down upon by the devas You can easily become proud um, And and most importantly Most dangerously You can become complacent And overconfident You'll often hear uh, people who, who have studied a lot Tell you things as though they knew them Tell you this is like this This is like that But that's not how it's um, how it's represented in the texts, what you see in the text is something very beautiful and and important where they say, "Evo me sutang thus have I heard. They make a distinction between what I know for myself and what I have heard and and that distinction is of course doubly important or or especially important for us as meditators. You hearing about the three characteristics, studying about them. Has no direct relationship between you experiencing them. It's it's a total. It's a completely different thing. And the ability to the ability to make this distinction is crucial. It's important that you don't uh, think you know anything. You have to appreciate that in terms of meditation. Until you practice mindfulness, you don't know anything. Or your knowledge, intellectually and and uh, through study is. Is not applicable. It can actually be a, a a hindrance as you start to compare and and reflect and become distracted. You doubt and you wonder: Is this what I read about? Is that what I, what am I experiencing now? So you lose track of your mindful. You stop. You lose track of the object. Your mindfulness is weakened as a result. All of these things are the danger. For us as meditators, we have to understand there's very little that we need to know. And a very important part of what we need to know is that we're most likely overcomplicating things. That's the whole point of mindfulness. The Buddha said, when you see, let it just be seeing. And that's what we're unable to do, that's what makes it so difficult. Not that there's anything uh, complicated or complex that you have to learn about seeing. Even the three characteristics are quite simple. There, are The three characteristics are the absence of what we think of things. We think this is stable. Good, I'll hold on to that because it's stable. I'll hold on to this because it satisfies me. I'll hold on to this because I can control it. All of that thinking is what's wrong. All of this added baggage. And the three characteristics are just realizing that they're not what we thought they are. Seeing really is just seeing. Hearing is just hearing. And when our mind becomes simple, of course, that's what's necessary to be tranquil. If our minds are complicated, always saying, yes, but, yes, but, adding this, adding that, what about that? Thinking that there's more, that we have to find more, we will never be free from suffering. This is what the Buddha called dhammankai napasati, this important phrase that you see the dhamma literally with the body, which makes it sound like you see it physically with your physical eyes. But that's not what the phrase means. It means seeing for yourself, seeing directly. That the dhamma is not something you have to think about or understand intellectually. It's just about seeing. That's why we say "vipassana." you see clearly you see clearly and then you're not confused yo you're not confused about the dhamma confused about reality about the truth and you have no potential for doubt because you see as long as your knowledge is dependent on intellect it's always going to be incredibly shaky incredibly unstable It's going to depend on your confidence in the source. And so many people can be very confident because they have very great confidence in the Buddha. But then they start to wonder, well this is just from a book I read, is this actually what the Buddha said? Or they start to wonder, do I really know that the Buddha is enlightened? Yes, of course I do. And, but, but do I? And why they doubt like that is because they haven't seen the truth for themselves. This is why there's such profound confidence for for one who has seen the Dhamma. Why they have such confidence in the Buddha. How could you doubt him? What he said was true. How do you know it's true? I saw it for myself. Dhamma ngayena So, two basic lessons. One, simplicity. The other is to direct knowledge. We should be working towards Letting go of the complexity. Stop overcomplicating things. Stop reacting. I mean, just work to see the stress and the suffering and in, in the complexity and the making complications. And two, we should not try to intellectually understand or think about or contemplate. Just try to see. Wisdom in Buddhism is a lot like becoming familiar you know the more familiar you are with something the less power it has over you the less it makes you react when we're comfortable with something we don't react to it it's only when something is uncomfortable and unfamiliar that we uh, that it is dangerous to us that it causes us to react so try to have a greater clarity and understanding and true wisdom comes from that and then whether you've studied a lot or a little, then you are known as a Dhammadhara. Then you actually carry the Dhamma. You don't carry it because of intellect, you carry it because you've seen it for yourself. So that's the teaching from this verse. Thank you all for listening.